Mystery on Danger Road by Florence Perry Hyde and Roxanne Hyde. Chapter 1. A Wounded Dog. Jay Temple balanced a tray of sandwiches as he carefully made his way down his basement stairs. He reached the bottom steps, turned a corner, and walked quietly into the big laundry room where Cindy, his sister, and Dexter Tate, their best friend and next-door neighbor, were busily working over a long table. Scraps of material, scissors, yarn, spools of thread, buttons, and patterns were strewn all over. In the corner of the basement room were stacks of boxes full of crafts for the craft fair. Jay stood silently behind the si his sister and Dexter. Soup's on, he called. Cindy's elbow knocked a box of spools to the floor. You scared me, Cindy admitted. But it was worth it if you fixed us snacks. A snack, said Jay indignantly. This is a banquet, a sandwich feast. Look, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and banana, peanut butter and lettuce, peanut butter and dill pickle, and peanut butter and peanut butter. You have exotic and sophisticated tastes, said Dexter, pushing his glasses up on his nose and reaching for a sandwich. You can say that again, said Cindy, using simpler words, of course. Jay joined them at the table. What a mess, he said, looking around. It's not as bad as it looks, Dexter said, biting into a sandwich. It's worse. Remember, you can't accomplish anything in this world without making a mess, said Cindy. That's a direct quote from Mom. Anyway, we can clean it up quickly once we've finished. I like our stuffed trains better than Mrs. Flip's leg warmers, said Jay. Me too, said Dexter, picking up a caboose and looking at it admiringly. And our stuffed, soft blocks. I notice you haven't said anything about the baby quilt I made of all those squares, said Cindy. It's very nice, said Dexter politely. For a baby who's colorblind, said Jay. They all laughed. This is going to be one terrific craft fair, said Cindy. Yep, agreed Jay. Mom's already picked up dozens and dozens of crafts from people all over town. Everyone's pitching in this year so that the community swimming pool can be finished. As if she didn't have enough to do with her job and everything without volunteering to pick up crafts. To say nothing of having one Dexter Tate stay with us for a few days, sighed Cindy. Sort of like a long summer cold, that's the way I look at it. It's another mouth to feed, grumbled Jay. Don't fret, said Dexter. My parents and Anne can't go on forever looking at colleges around the United States. They'll be back soon. They heard a telephone ringing in the kitchen. In a moment, Mrs. Temple called downstairs. Hi, kids. That was another call for a pickup. Who wants to go with me? I do, called Cindy. Saved by the bell, she said to Jay and Dexter. Be sure to clean everything up while I'm gone. She dashed up the basement stairs. The sun was beginning to set as Mrs. Temple and Cindy backed the station wagon out of the drive. Where to, Mom? Cindy asked. She was glad she w it was her turn to go with her mother. The night was pleasantly warm, and it felt good to get away from the basement for a while. It's out in the country, said Mrs. Temple. You'll have to help me find this place, I'm afraid. Be my navigator? 
The woman who called it was Mrs. Emma Lamb. She lives on Denanger Road. I've got her address somewhere. She fumbled in her purse and pulled out a scrap of paper. Cindy took it and studied the address. 5531 Denanger Road. They drove in silence for a moment, listening to the crickets chirping, and they got further away from the city limits. There were fewer and fewer houses. What are we picking up? Cindy asked. Clowns, said Mrs. Temple. Mrs. Lamb said that if she has already left, the box of clowns will be on her porch. When she called me, she was waiting for a friend to pick her up for bingo. Cindy noticed the sunset as they headed onto the country road, a carpet of pinks and golds that was spread across the horizon. Here's Denanger Road, Mrs. Temple said, slowing the car. Left, Cindy said. They drove on a moment and then slowly headed up a hill. When they reached the top, they could see a large house set off the road a little. There was a large porch attached to the front. There were no other houses nearby. This must be it, Cindy said. No need for both of us to get the clowns, Mom. I'll be right back. She jumped out of the car and walked towards the porch. Summer noises filled her ears. Crickets, dogs barking in the distance, a distant train rumbling. But there was another noise, Cindy thought, like a high-pitched whine. She stopped, listening. Nothing. She shrugged and ran up the steps to the porch. She rang the doorbell several times and got no response. Mrs. Lamb must have already left for bingo. Cindy looked around the porch for the box of clowns. It wasn't there. Had Mrs. Lamb forgotten to put it on the porch after all? How frustrating to have made the whole trip out for nothing. Maybe there was a back porch, and that's what Mrs. Lamb had meant. Cindy came back down the steps and headed around the house to the back. As she walked along the side, weeds scratched her ankles. A light out beyond the back of the house caught Cindy's eye. A small shed was in the yard. Through a small window, she could see a shadowy form moving inside. Emma Lamb must be out there. Cindy started toward the shed. As she approached the door, a sharp, musty odor filled her nostrils. It was a smell of old, musty, rotting wood, and of something else. Cindy couldn't tell what. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw several odd-shaped things nailed to the outside of the shed. Flies buzzed around them. She looked more closely. What were those furry objects hanging there? Suddenly, she knew. Rabbit skins. The heads were gone. Someone had skinned all those rabbits. Cindy turned away, repelled. She was anxious to see Emma Lamb. Get the clowns and get out. She reached the door of the shed and knocked. No answer. But Emma Lamb was in there. Cindy had seen her shadow. Maybe Emma couldn't hear her. Cindy walked around to the window and looked in. The shed was empty. A lone light bulb swung back and forth. Cindy felt a cold, prickling sensation on the back of her neck. Someone had been in the shed a moment ago, but now it was empty. The light bulb was swinging, and there was no breeze. Whoever had been in the shed had simply vanished. Something shiny hanging from a hook inside caught the light of the swinging bulb. 
It looked like a chain of some kind. A few tools hung on the walls, and an old raincoat. That was all. Cindy shivered and turned away, suddenly anxious to run back to the car. She'd have to look on the back porch for the box of clowns before she left. She certainly didn't want to have to come out here again, ever. She ran back to the house and climbed the creaky steps of the back porch. There, a big box with a bright red circle painted on it. She lifted the lid. Clowns. Cindy breathed a sigh of relief and bent down to lift the box. Suddenly, she sucked in her breath, the noise she had heard earlier. The high whining noise came again. It sounded like a wounded animal. Cindy thought of the rabbit skins hanging on the side of the shed and shuddered. She picked up the box and ran with it towards the car. The whimpering grew louder and more pitiful as she neared the front of the house. It seemed to be coming from a clump of bushes that grew by the front porch. Mom, Cindy called. She set the box of clowns down and ran over to the car. I think there's a wounded animal in the bushes over here. We've got to help it. Oh, darling, you scared me. I was beginning to get worried about you, and you were taking so long. She paused. A wounded animal? Poor thing. Let me get the flashlight out of the glove compartment, and we'll take a look. Mrs. Temple hurriedly got out the flashlight and opened the car door. She quickly followed Cindy to the bushes. She turned the light on the flashed it into the bushes. The whimpering stopped. There, whispered Cindy. Oh, Mom, look. In the pool of light from the flashlight lay a large, beautiful dog. It stared up at Mrs. Temple and Cindy with huge brown eyes. Oh, you poor dear, murmured Mrs. Temple. The dog's tail thumped limply at the sound of sympathy. What's the matter, hmm? As if understanding her, the dog licked one of his front paws. A small whimper escaped his throat. Mrs. Temple shone the flashlight on his paw and knelt down to study it. It was covered with blood. She straightened and took a deep breath. Cindy, see if there's a blanket in the back seat. We'll take him back with us. Cindy ran back to the car and returned with a blanket. She bent down to put it over the dog, and he lifted his head. Cindy almost laughed out loud when the dog licked her face and nuzzled his soft, warm face against hers. She suddenly wanted this dog more than anything in the world. Together they lifted the dog and carried him to the car. Cindy could only look at the dog's beautiful brown eyes as they stared right back at hers. When they got the dog settled in the car, Cindy sighed. Then she suddenly remembered the clowns. I left them on the lawn. She got out of her car once more and ran up to the box on the grass. A breeze carried the smell of the rabbit skins to her. She shivered. In her excitement about the dog, she had forgotten about the shed. Now she looked back at it and felt goosebumps rise on her arms. Come on, Cindy, her mother called. Cindy got back in the car with her box. Mrs. Temple slowly pulled away. Cindy couldn't help looking back as they headed down the hill. Standing where Mrs. Temple's car had been parked a moment earlier was a man staring after the car. In the man's hands was a bicycle chain, which he slowly tossed up and down. Through her open window, Cindy could hear the distinct metallic clunk 
As the stranger caught the chain again, Cindy watched him, wide-eyed, as he stood on the hill. He seemed to be staring back at her. Chapter 2 To the Vets We'll stop at the vets on the way home, said Mrs. Temple. That poor dog is in pain. The dog whimpered and licked Cindy's chin. Don't you worry, murmured Cindy to the dog. We'll get you to the vets, and he'll take care of you. He'll put something on your foot so it won't hurt any more, and then you can come home with us. We'll have a nice supper, and you can meet Jay and Dexter. You'll like them, and they'll like you. I wonder who he belongs to, Mrs. Temple said, slowing at a curve in the road. We found him by Mrs. Lamb's house. Maybe he belongs to her, Cindy suggested. I don't think so, Mrs. Temple said. I've talked to her before. In fact, we've talked about dogs. I mentioned that I would like to have one, and she said she was allergic to dogs and cats. Well, we can put an ad in the paper right away, Cindy said, stroking the dog's neck. A nice dog like that must have an owner. The dog licked her hand. There's a special service in the city news has, Cindy said. It's called Lost and Found, Trade and Swap. You can call in any time before nine o'clock at night, and they'll put your ad in free. If we call when we get home, it will be in tomorrow's paper, and the paper comes out right after noon. So, she hugged the dog, so by tomorrow evening the owner will have him back again. Mrs. Temple turned at the next corner. The vet is on this street, she said. Dr. Fulton. He lives right above his clinic. He is a very good about taking in last-minute emergencies like this one. Cindy wondered how her mother could know about the vet. They'd never had a pet, at least not one that they had to take to a veterinarian. They'd had goldfish a couple of times and a hamster once. Could we ever have a dog? she asked. The dog nestled closer to her. Mrs. Temple shook her head. It wouldn't be fair, really. You and Jay go to school. I work all day. A dog needs someone around. It would be too lonely, she glanced over at Cindy. Sorry about that, she said. I'd like to have a dog, too, you know. That's okay, said Cindy. It wouldn't be fair, she knew. There was no way she could ever have a dog, not until she was grown up and had her own family. Then, maybe. Unless, by that time, Cindy herself would be working all day. She sighed and put her face next to the dog's. Why hadn't that man, the man with the chain, done something to help the dog? He must have heard him whimpering. Here we are, announced Mrs. Temple, pulling into a driveway. The dog was too big to carry easily, so he limped alongside them. Up to the door, Mrs. Temple rang the bell. In a moment, a man opened the door. Parent age, thought Cindy. He must be the vet. Hi, he said. Then he looked closer and smiled more broadly. Oh, it's you, Margaret. He looked over Mrs. Temple's shoulder. And a kid and a dog. Since I'm a vet, it must be the dog that's in trouble. Not either of you fine ladies. Tom, this is my daughter Cindy, said Mrs. Temple. Any daughter of yours is a friend of mine, he said, and any dog. That isn't our dog, Cindy's mother said. We just found him. He's hurt his foot, and he's miserable. 
"'You've come to the right place,' said Dr. Fulton. "'This way, please.' Dr. Fulton took the dog into his office. After what seemed like a long time, he reappeared smiling. The dog limped behind him. His injured paw had been bandaged. "'Your friend's going to be okay,' the doctor said. "'But it's good you brought him in when you did. "'His wound could have become infected.' Dr. Fulton frowned. It looks as if he got his paw caught on some kind of an animal trap. He's just lucky it wasn't hurt more. He could It could have been his leg. An animal trap, exclaimed Cindy. How mean. How could anybody set a trap that would hurt an animal? I don't know, Dr. Fulton confessed. It's very cruel. This was probably a trap for a small animal, rabbits maybe. Cindy thought of the rabbit skins she had seen hanging near the shed and shivered. Dr. Fulton patted the dog. His paw will be fine now. It may hurt for a couple of days, but he'll soon recover. I gave him something that will keep his leg from becoming infected and something to help the pain. He may be a little drowsy for a couple of hours, but he'll be as good as new in the morning. We don't know how to thank you, said Mrs. Temple gratefully. It's after your regular office hours, too, and... I have a suggestion, interrupted Dr. Fulton. With a twinkle in his eye, he turned to Cindy. Your mother wants to thank me, the dog wants to thank me, and you want to thank me. The best way to accomplish that would be if your very busy mother would consent to having dinner with me some night soon. Cindy blinked. Dr. Fulton wanted to have dinner with his mother. Cindy couldn't remember a time when her mom had had a real dinner date. She glanced at her now. Oh, Tom, I'd love to. You know that, but I'm so busy. My job and the kids in the house. Now I'm involved with a big craft fair and... Excuses, excuses, Dr. Fulton interrupted again. He turned again to Cindy. He had nice eyes, she decided. Young lady, I hope you talk some sins into your very stubborn mother. I hope you will suggest to her that she have dinner with me next week. Mom, I suggest that you have dinner with Dr. Fulton next week. Two against one, said Mrs. Temple with a smile. I guess I don't have a chance. Dr. Fulton smiled one of the nicest smiles Cindy had ever seen. Thanks, Margaret, and thank you, Cindy, and thank you, dog. I've accomplished in a few minutes something I've been trying to do for nearly years. Cindy glanced at her mother. She was blushing. Cindy and her mother walked back to the car and the dog following them. Thanks for taking care of the dog, Cindy called back over her shoulder. Any time, called Dr. Fulton. That's what I'm here for. When Mrs. Temple and Cindy got home, Jay and Dexter were just coming up from the basement. The two boys stared at the dog. A dog, said Jay. I'm, am I seeing things? It's lost, Cindy said quickly. She didn't want Jay to think even for a second that they could keep the dog. He got his paw caught in a trap, so we took him to the vet. Now we're going to put an ad in the paper to find the right owner. Good dog, said Jay, bending over. My favorite model, said Dexter, a dog that isn't one thing or another. One make or another. Breed, Cindy corrected. Dr. Fulton said the dog would be drowsy for a little while, said Mrs. Temple. Let's feed him, and then, Cindy, why don't you and the two boys take him upstairs to your room? 
he could sleep on your bed all night. Terrific, said Cindy. After the dog had eaten, Dexter and Cindy took him up to her room. Jane made some popcorn and joined them. Dr. Fulton had been right. The dog closed his eyes contentedly and was soon fast asleep. And now the ad for tomorrow's paper, said Dexter. First, something to eat, said Jay, passing around the bowl of popcorn. They talked about the dog while they munched on popcorn. Cindy sat at her desk, tapping her pencil. Whoever lost the dog will be looking in the lost and found columns tomorrow, she said. How about something like this, suggested Dexter. Found, large brown dog of mixed pedigree, vicinity, Denanger Road, no collar, call. Then put the telephone number down. Jay whistled. Pedigree, vicinity, pretty classy words. Well, it's a pretty classy dog, said Dexter. Sounds good, said Jay. Cindy agreed. In a moment, she had called the newspaper and placed the ad. Hey, what could be nicer, asked Dexter. The Spotlight Club, a sleeping dog, some popcorn, and a couple of hours before bedtime. He stretched lazily and patted the sleeping dog. Cindy started to tell the boys about the house and the empty shed. Mrs. Lamb lives in an old farmhouse up on Danger Road, she paused. It's funny, the sign pointing out the road is so old and worn, the name looks like Danger Road. She thought again of the rabbit skins, the swinging light bulb, and the stranger staring after the car. There was something odd about that place, she went on. I'm positive that someone had just been in the shed. I saw a shadow moving around inside. But when I looked in the window, poof, whoever it was just disappeared. The light bulb was swinging and there was no breeze. That would have made a good story, the mystery of the swinging light bulb, joked Dexter. Cindy paid no attention. Someone was in there. I know it. I saw a shadow. But the person just disappeared, and there was nowhere to disappear to, unless there was a secret panel or something. A mystery of the disappearing shadow man, said Jay. Hey, I like mysteries as much as you do, but real mysteries, not just imaginary ones. Cindy laughed along with the boys, but she remembered the chill she had felt when she looked in the window of the empty shed. She remembered her uneasiness when she had seen the man on the hill tossing the bicycle chain. She decided not to say anything to Jay and Dexter about the man on the hill. They'd make fun of her. And after all, the man hadn't done anything strange or suspicious. He was just standing there. We've solved a lot of real mysteries so far, said Jay. I think the scariest time was when Cindy and I were locked in that barn. The worst time for me was when I was knocked out and put in that box, Dexter decided. What about you, Cindy? Cindy considered. Every mystery, every mystery we've solved has been sort of scary, she decided. Scary and exciting and fun. She jumped up from the bed and walked over to her desk. I've still got the notebooks with all my notes, she said, carrying some of them over to the bed and sitting down. Read, demanded Dexter. I like to be reminded. Me too, said Jay. The first mystery involved that guy we called the mad scientist, remember? Asked Cindy, leafing through one of her notebooks. That's when he decided to call ourselves the Spotlight Club. 
and that's when we made up Mr. Hooley's rules, added Jay. Right, agreed Cindy, turning the page. The rule that says you have to be absolutely 100% sure before you accuse someone of something. You can't guess. You have to have positive proof. Pleadingly, she thought of the shadowy form in the empty shed and of the swinging light bulb. She had no proof there was anything strange going on. Here's a list of our other rules, she said. The, the usher rule. It says that you have to suspect everyone and ones you like and the ones you don't like. We've got some pretty good rules, Jay admitted, even if we did make them up. They're good because we made them up, said Dexter. Remember the beaker trick? It's right here, said Cindy, the beaker trick. She glanced at her notes. I'm going to write everything down. I'm going to start doing that again as soon as we work on the next mystery. She looked again at her notes. The beaker trick. Someone may act suspicious or very eccentric just to throw people off the track. They may be guilty, but because they act in such an exaggerated way, no one suspects them. She didn't tell the boys that she hadn't known how to spell exaggerated. I think we need another rule, said Jay, grinning. How about the bone rule? That one would say that if Cindy feels something in her bones, watch out. Dexter laughed, and Cindy smiled. It was true. She often felt that something was wrong, but she couldn't say why. She just felt it. Just as now she felt that there had been something wrong about that empty shed and about the man standing on the hill watching, Cindy walked over to the desk again, opened the drawer, and took out a fresh notebook. See? I'll be all set for the next mystery we find. Call it the next Spotlight Club mystery, said Dexter. To herself, Cindy thought. I'll call it the Mystery on Danger Road. But she resolved not to talk to Jay or Dexter any more about her suspicions.